Coming to you live from where the wild men are, I'm Tom Rich, and with me as always are a heaving sea of muscular pectorals, and this is the Mildly Alarming Podcast. Episode Y equals MX plus B, a quandary of hypotheticals in D minor. Welcome back to the Mildly Alarming Podcast. I'm Johanna Stauffer. <laughs> and I'm Tom Rich. He's just so very proud of himself. <laughs> I am so proud. Uh, Unlike but, your mother and father, family, who have no reason to feel pride about you. Uh, None at all. I didn't, you know, knock anyone up in high school. Like, that's a accomplishment. Pride, though? <laughs> Relief, more likely, yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but welcome back to the show, everybody. We're happy to have you here on the show, the show of shows, the show that shows other shows how to show up and show what they got. I... <laughs> Why? Why? Well, uh, we host a podcast on the internet. We gotta say stuff. You gotta well, talk- that, that, okay. I have an important question for you then. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. What you got? Y equals MX plus B. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't. I, I. I don't. I didn't take math. Even once. No maths. No math is. Math is singular. There's only the one. Right. We talked about this on the air already. Did we? Yep. I don't remember that at all. Really? No? Because the British say maths? Yeah, they say maths and we or say... maths. Maths. We say math. And we say math. Right, right. It's just the one. Right. And it turns yeah. out that the... The British are... So, so maths is, is, a, is a much newer construct than math? Oh. Uh, so they're they're wrong. Well, they're always wrong. They're British. <gasps> but they're uh, also... I mean, whatever. They're not, apparently, the... Uh, oh, I forget the state now. But apparently, the the, the um, American accent, the, mm-hmm. the U.S. Uh, accent is, is closer, linguists say, to the Queen's English at the time than, than the current British accent mm-hmm. is. Well, because isn't the current British accent based off of the received pronunciation which is from highfalutin British people in highfalutin British people schools. Yeah. And like, and then all of the regular British people imitated that over time after the revolution, whereas in America we all want to talk as dumb as we can because we got to be salt-of-the-earth people who had salt and dirt just rubbing it into our bodies because that's, that's how we do. I guess. I mean, there was, so there was the... Uh, guess, I'm just talking. Just, you, you just the, go. go ahead. What was it called? The mid... Mid-Atlantic? Mid-Atlantic accent? Mm-hmm. Which is how they talk in like old timey movies, which is is like received pronunciation. It's a totally made up, unnatural mm-hmm. way of speaking that it, that was designed to sound somewhere between the American accent and the English accent. Hmm. And that's why they talked that way, and why no one talks that way now because no one ever actually talked that way right. except on film and radio. Huh. So what are we actually talking about? I think we're talking about how. Uh, hold on, let me let me bring up the document here. Well, I could have done that. You close out like 18 different tabs. We are talking today. We have a new and exciting segment for you, which Johannes will come up with some fantastic uh, theme music for, I'm sure. Uh, So I'm going to give the name of it. I probably won't even try. And then I'm going to leave 15 solid seconds for uh, that to go in, for that theme music to go in. It's called Remaking the Game. Hold on. I'm going to count it down for you. This is silence that the theme music goes in. So here's one. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven plus one, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. All right, we're good. Uh, so, remaking the game is a brand new segment we're doing where we look at a game that is a junky piece of butt that it, it just. It sags and droops. 
it lacks a center, it, it has no matter, it just sort of does not function the way it should, and we reforge it into a steel and iron engine of monstrosity that rampages across the countryside devouring livestock. Setting the bar pretty high for our first attempt. <laughs> you gotta go big or go home, man. Okay. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be good, yeah. Uh, so that's the goal. Uh, the only rule we have is that we have to keep the game's core intact. It can't be like, well, that game sucked, so let's make a car racing game. Because that would also suck. Right, right. Or if we were trying to fix a car racing game, our solution couldn't be just don't make a car racing game. Uh, we might need to stop. Um, yeah, but we're not doing give a Give car- me 15 minutes or so. We're not doing a car racing game for the okay. first one. Uh, uh, so it's got to be recognizably the same idea at the end, just implemented in a way that works better. That's not a good rule. It's not one you could like take in front of a judge and he would be able to tell you if you've done it right or not. Uh, Jake in front of a tudge. Yeah, you got a Jake up in front of that tudge. Uh, but it's a rule that's going to work well enough for the purposes of our uh, our, our podcast here tonight. Right? So, like, it, really, there's just no rules at all. It's a rule. Damn it. Work with me here. So that's the idea. Uh, remaking the game. Uh, we're going to try to take a game we think is bad, and we're going to rebuild it into something we think would be fun to play with your friends that you have. Cool. What are we starting with? What's Our first the, game, the game, or the one that I wrote in the script and that you didn't comment on, so I assume you were okay with it, is a Risk, the game of global domination. Now, as I understand it, you hate Risk, and I understand that to be the case because your hands are actually around my <laughs> neck right now, ever so slightly flexing. Yeah, I, I don't care for Risk. It's not my favorite. It's, yeah. Uh, risk, uh, uh, I, I have an affection from it from my child, for it from my childhood, but it's objectively there's some problems with that game, right? I think we can say that pretty safely. Yeah. Uh, there's a high degree of swinginess inherent in the die rolls. Uh, the fact that t- the defender wins ties means that the game tends toward uh, to encourage turtling, so you're encouraged just to sit there and build up large armies as opposed to encourage to attack the other players and have mm-hmm. interaction and do stuff. Uh, and that, in its turn, tends to make the game drag a little bit. It also doesn't have clear-cut player elimination where once you're out, you're out pretty quick. You can wind up with just a couple of territories in South America that aren't worth anybody committing the troops to eliminate you, but also you're never <coughs> coming back from that, are you? You're just not. It's not going to happen. You're going to sit there all night, Dale, and you're going to play your two territories, and you're just going to suck it up because you agreed to play Risk now. No, no, you can't have another beer, Dale. It's been long Take enough since turn. I've played Risk, and there's a, I have real chance somehow that we have listeners who have never played Risk. Uh-huh. Um, can you... Five minutes or less the rules? No. No, sure. Okay, that sounds so- like a problem with the game also. <laughs> no, risk is pretty simple. Uh, the board is the world. It is a, a global map of the world. It's divided up into 42, I think, territories. Uh, you control them by putting armies on them. There are a couple of different ways you can distribute armies at the start, but that doesn't really matter. Uh, you attack by rolling dice equal to the number of guys you have attacking the other territory. The defender rolls dice equal to the number of guys they have defending. Defender has a max, or attacker has a max die roll of three dice. Defender has a max dice roll of two. Uh, you compare highest dice to highest dice, second highest to second highest. If a die outscores the other, it wins. Tie goes to the defender, and you would remove one trooper. You can then either choose to commit more troops and continue your attack, or not if you're done. If you take it, you have to move your troops in, and now you control that territory, and you draw one card. The cards each have a territory printed on them. At the beginning of your turn, you get one trooper for every three territories you control rounded down, and you can turn in sets of three cards based on the pictures on them in order to get bonus troops and uh, continue to win the game. You also get bonus troops for controlling an entire continent, so if you control everything in South America, you get some bonus troops that way. Uh, winner is the person who conquers the world, so who controls all of the territories. Risk. That's the only win condition? Yeah, you win when you conquer everything. No wonder it takes forever. It, it takes a long time. It is. It has been... When did we finish high school? Uh, 1983. That's not true. 1972. Yeah, that, that's the one. Seriously, how long ago, though? Ten? Ten, ten years, yeah. So it's been 12 years... 
since I have even <laughs> sat at a risk board and thought about attempting to play. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while. It should be noted, too, that uh, Hasbro has released 115 dozen billion uh, versions of Risk, like licensed tie-ins, and they all have right. their own different weird little rules. Sure. Uh, so we're not talking about any of them. We're just talking about the basic game of global domination. Okay. So that's... Uh, so... Yeah, that's kind of risk right there. Um, you know, uh, as we mentioned, one of the main problems with it is the swinginess of the die rolling mechanic where I can attack Johannes with, you know, 10 armies to his four, but he just gets on a hot streak rolling and I wind up completely just grinding my army into powder in that fight. That, sure, you've got scenarios in history of small forces holding out against when the vast outnumbered, sure, whatever, but from a gameplay perspective, that's incredibly frustrating. Um, you've also got the problem of uh, the defender's advantage there leading to turtling. You have the card amassing uh, winds up with these turns where you're putting down, you know, 30, 40 armies at a go later on in the game uh, where no and, ha- hand limit, no hand limit that I know that I can remember. Uh, and that leads to these big swingy turns where people just go on a tear and it's like, oh, well, that glad that happened. So I guess, uh, what do you think, what, what, what would we do if we wanted to make a game about militarily conquering the world, but make it better than Risk? If we wanted to take that basic idea of Risk and improve it. Uh, are we starting from Risk, or are we just starting from world domination as a concept? Um, I guess let's start from Risk and see what we can do from there, and if we need to branch out further, why not? Because we'll I can go... see some easy tweaks to Risk, and you've mentioned some of them already. If, sure. if you were to, you could fix the die roll thing by making it a sort of... Um, you could still use dice, but uh, have a sort of push-your-luck kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So now you're engaging with your dice rolls more than just, I roll them and see what numbers come up. And it gives you some opportunity to... like So, so now now your, your outcomes on your di- die rolls are going to be... Partly, are you attacking or, def- or defending? Partly, mm-hmm. how many armies do you have, I guess? Yeah. And and then partly, what choices did I make here? Am I going to... Did, did I risk something? Go out on a limb to try to get more out of it? Or did I play it conservative and sit back and say, well, I'm just going to do this because that's safe? Mm-hmm. It doesn't fix it, but it at least it's not pure randomness. It makes the, the, the encounter part of it a little bit more... Interactive, yeah. So the player has a little more agency in the outcome of the battle, other than the raw rote calculation of how many dudes do I have versus how many dudes do they have, and what is the statistical likelihood of the how many am I mathematically probably going to lose over the course of that? Right. You now got to say he does some stuff with greed. Yeah, I think and even a simple pusher like like mechanic like you have to set aside one dice every time you roll, but you can just keep re-rolling. Yeah. So you can you can you might be forced to set aside some failures eventually, but mm-hmm. you can keep building successes. Yeah, that way. Yeah, um, and then hand limit. So you can't just keep building up masses of cards. Yeah, but it adds a sense of urgency. Um, you you could spin it as you know your the cards that you're spending are are uh, materials or or whatever mm-hmm. or foods or stockpiles of some sort that have an expiration date because they're needed for other things too or they don't last forever. Uh, n- now you have a thematic reason for why there's a hand limit and you're mm-hmm. not necessarily stockpiling for 27 hours later when your risk game is still going on <laughs> and uh, you could f- you could just change the win condition mm-hmm. to anything everyone agrees you've won or control more than 50% of the board or or even yeah or a two thirds majority yeah, or something yeah and Control more than all remaining players combined. A, yeah, a plural. Uh, no, you, that's a simple majority, isn't it? That's a. a so that, that those are those are you know quick fixes for perceived problems with the game. I still don't think it's a game I would seek out. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I haven't played Risk in in ages, and at the time that I was playing it, I wasn't thinking about games as. Uh, sets of mechanics and or as in-depth in any way as, as I do now. So mm-hmm. you you listed problems. I, I never really thought of Risk as an inherently bad game before. I just thought it as a game that I didn't want to play. Mm-hmm. It's not interesting to me. Sure. Um, especially knowing that it drags on, on forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could fix 
my greatest issue with Risk by saying this game has to be done in an hour. Whoever controls the most at the end of the hour is winning the end. <laughs> yeah, or or even if you want to make it less artificial than an hour to put a number of rounds on it. Yeah. You know, it ends after 10 rounds, and that's it. And then whoever has the most territories then wins. Yeah, even that, I mean, I don't remember exactly how, how long a round ten, goes. Yeah, 10 might, not, 10 it, might be too in, high, in risk, but... Sure. Because well, another problem with risk is analysis paralysis. Because you can sit there and stare at your. Mm-hmm. Where do I want to move these? Do I want to move these? Do I want to put place troops here? Do I want to place them there? Do I want to spread them out? Do I want to cluster them? Do I? What do I want to yeah. do? You could sit there and think about it forever. Um, which is a problem with a lot of I mean, a lot of. I don't want to say simpler games. A lot of more raw. Um, like chess has that same problem. If mm-hmm. you were allowed to sit and think about your move for 10 hours, you know, a person could do that. Just mm-hmm. try to fit every possible outcome into their head. That would be a terrible game to play with a person. Sure. So, um, I don't know. Those are boring mechanical tweaks to fix it. If I were to try to make a game of world domination, not necessarily using risks mechanics. I mean, I, I, we saw one at... um what do you call it at uh proto spiel oh the invisible hand one that was also not really my bag but it was a little more interesting mm-hmm. because you were like there was combat and there was stuff you could do but the whole kind of theme of the game is that you're sort of part of the illuminati right, right. and you're so you're sort of trying to underhandedly influence world events mm-hmm. from behind the scenes and so you could win and you could win influence and stuff without combat. Sure. It was a much more complex game than Risk. And it was, again, it was one of these, like, going in, he was like, this is going to take at least two hours. And we were like, well, well, let's play a few rounds. Yeah. You know, the the single coolest thing I thought about that game was, and, and it compares interestingly to Risk, was that it was very nonlinear and where you had to move, make your moves. Like, you mm-hmm. could, you because you're pouring influence, not troops. So you could pour a bunch of influence into Australia and then Canada. Yeah, back to back, and there was nothing stopping you from spreading that way, even other people being there. Whereas risk forces you to very linearly march across the board. You can't attack somewhere if you don't have troops adjacent to it, which makes sense. It's a Napoleonic war game. You know, you're not doing a sudden, you know, amphibious landing across the Atlantic or anything like that. But mm-hmm. it does mean that the game runs in a kind of a predictable pattern. You know, there's only so many ways across. There's only so many connections from A to B. Right. If you have troops in Europe and I have troops in North America and we're going to fight, it's going to be through Greenland because that's the territory that's between those two. You just, that's what's going to happen. Whereas Invisible Hand, it's like you could, you could come into conflict pretty well anywhere on the board at any time almost. Yeah. And I felt like that was interesting and fun and different. A, a sort of risk-esque area control i'm not into area control all that much that Mm -hmm. doesn't really interest me especially because they tend to drag on sure um but did you ever play um oh no i'm blanking on what it's called i just want to say pandemic it's basically the opposite of pandemic it's always like a phone app or a flash game you're the disease oh um shoot yeah i know what you're talking about where you where madagascar always closes the ports yeah yeah. right away there's there's been a few different versions of it i want to say outbreak but that's also not what it's called it's it would be an appropriate title for it yeah um, that game, those games are interesting, but they'd be very hard, I think, to make into a um, board game, especially into a playable by uh, a, a, a um a multiplayer board game, because so much of what happens in those games is you, you basically you create a disease and you're trying to infect the whole mm-hmm. world, and you can uh, do things to cause your disease to become resistant to antibiotics or evolve and become stronger or, or you know, do be, use different methods of, of uh, transfer. And, but you really need a computer running the, like, speed of the spread. And, yeah, you know, does it, is it transferable by air? Will it go across on a boat? Will, a, will an airline with a sick person on mm-hmm. it, you know, transfer it to another country, those sorts of things be really hard to work into a board game, I think, mm-hmm. without at least without some serious app integration. Mm-hmm. That game is also called Pandemic. Okay. That's why I thought it was called Pandemic. Because it was called Pandemic? Yeah. Pandemic. Which sounds a Pandemic. lot like... Pandemic. Yeah. yeah. It, which is uh, a giant robot 
that either is a panda or is piloted by a panda. Or both. Pandas piloting Panda Max. I have no... We need to make this game. <laughs> panda Uprising! What would you do if you were going to try to change... Um, see, I like area control. I have no, I have no particular sure. qualms about it. Um, so I wouldn't, and I don't mind a long game of area control either. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't make any, any particular tweaks on that front. I think just from a low level, I would stabilize the number of troops you get across the game. So you don't get those big surges at the end. They do kind of serve to, you know, push it toward an end state as one guy gets there, but they're not interesting. Um, I would swap the the tiebreaker to go to the def- attacker instead of the defender, so that you have an, you're encouraged to attack. Or I would, or if I change the die mechanic, I would ma- rig it so that attacking het gets the advantage, so that you're better off, generally speaking, in an even match, making the attack rather than just sitting on your heels mm-hmm. to encourage player interaction to keep things moving again. And I, as you said before, I'd in- I'd include some sort of win state before conquering total everything. global domination yeah. you could still win by total global domination but you could also win by controlling four out of the five continental capitals or yeah. something like that so I, i'm I, I take back a little bit what i said i'm trying to think of myself having if i had created risk mm-hmm. and i were to come back to it and say okay it's been out for however many years 50 something what needs to change or what do i what do i think could be better um uh, I think my biggest problem is with the hand limit, because mm-hmm. um, hearing you talk about big troop searches, surges at the end, well, and stuff. Well, I mean, that, that comes in a little bit from turning in multiple card sets if you get them. Sure, but it also comes in because card sets get more valuable over time. Uh huh. So, like the first card set is worth, I think, three troops. Then the second set turned in is worth five, and then ten, and then twenty, and and it just builds up over time. And okay. it's not just my card sets; it's everybody's. Mm-hmm. So you turn one in, and then the one next one that I turn in is increased because you'd already turned one in. Right. So that's kind of what's going on there. Okay, so you, you could still keep some of it even with a hand limit then. But I, I, I could see myself saying, so you, you don't like the, you didn't think the sur- big surges at the end are interesting. No, I don't. I, don't I could see that. myself as the, as the creator of this game being like, I actually really liked those. Those weren't even necessarily intentional, but mm-hmm. I like them for a few reasons. First of all, maybe I just like them, whatever. Um, it speeds the game along. Mm-hmm. A game that already drags pretty long. Finally, having some big, huge movements are like okay, maybe maybe this will get things done quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the flip side of it being, if you were to get rid of those, or not not just get rid of them outright, but if you were to change change things so that you don't end up with them at the end, you don't build toward those. You've kind of homogenized the whole play experience That's across point, the yeah. length of the game, and so don't now you don't have anything to look forward to, and you're like, finally, when I turn in these piles of high value card sets i'm gonna get some real return you're going okay i need to make keep managing this stuff and so now instead of a game of possible like big blowout climactic Mm -hmm. ending you end up with this game of like dragging out forever just weedly resource management sure that's a good point on the on the flip side though the big troop surges at the end they're the same troops you've had all along. Uh-huh. It's just that you now are getting ten of them at a drop instead of them. the die roll mechanic doesn't change at all. It's just that it goes a little, it goes longer in in any battle between these larger armies toward the end mm-hmm. of the game. So I wonder if if the answer is not so much eliminating the big troop surges as making them kind of get, getting them to alter the nature of the battle toward the end. Mm-hmm. Like maybe in the first third of the game, ties go to the defender, but in the last third. When you're getting instead of the big troop surges, or when you're starting to get them, ties start to go to the attacker. You know, you've got some timer or something measuring at what point you're at, and that could yeah. be you could hand wave that as like, and now they've invented machine guns or whatever, or you now know. just they've been defending so long that it looks like, you know, Carantan at the end of the of you know, yeah. it's just, there's there's nothing left to give you a home field advantage, right? Right. Um, that that's a hard sell because. What if you know? No, I just I just took over Venezuela. Mm-hmm. It should not be war t- war torn yet. Why why sure. don't I still get a, an advantage here? Sure, but but do you see kind of where yeah, I'm yeah, where, yeah. you know not just changing the the amount, but the nature of how it works might be interesting. And you could do that with, uh, you could even alter, I mean you could fundamentally alter the way the dice interact if you really wanted to mm-hmm. get crazy with it. But 
it could be even be I don't know allow it giving you a multiplier for having a certain amount of armies extra dice for that or, yeah. or something allowing you to support from a because currently you attack from one territory at a time maybe late in the game when you've got these large armies you can start to attack from multiple territories at once or pull in support from other territories even if they're not necessarily attacking sure so here, here's my, I think, my pitch. If I were to sit down and try to design a world domination, global domination kind of aerial control mm-hmm. game, um, I probably would end up, what I'm going to describe steals a lot from Eclipse, which is funny because I don't care for Eclipse mm-hmm. either, but it's just because I don't care for that style of game. Sure. I think I could still design one. I think I could design Eclipse. Um, <laughs> I just wouldn't. Right, right. So you'd have similar to Risk. You'd have area control. We'd probably use what I, what I talked about or a similar but more more interesting if not necessarily too much more complex combat mechanics. We're mm-hmm. not just rolling dice. Sure. There's some interaction going on there. Um, but you would have to have the ability to not just expand the numbers of your armies you'd have to be able to upgrade i'd want to see weapons technology Mm -hmm. and armor technology and you know maybe someone went flight but someone else went sea and depending on how the game plays Mm -hmm. out they'd need to be balanced well enough that one is not always a clear advantage over the other and Mm -hmm. maybe a combination of the two you know you you if you go all air all sea aircraft carriers are no good if you go all air you don't have the aircraft carries maybe you have to try to work together with the two maybe even add some other sci-fi or whatever sanity uh, fantasy type stuff because mm-hmm. i find it really wildly entertaining seeing like we have machine guns but we have a wizard like mm-hmm. where does that actually work out that could sure. be amusing and, and you can keep it area control tighten up the the stuff that just drags on forever and i would is it like basically one-to-one army versus army in in risk when you're in combat you, how, so like I, I attack your two armies with my 10 mm-hmm. but i'm still doing like one against one one against do you, do you go through each yeah, like well, basically well, unit kind of the way the way it works is the attacker decides how many they're going to attack with and you can only attack with up to three at a time because you're only able to roll a max of three dice okay the defender can defend with up to two at a time uh-huh so you might be attacking with 10 but you're doing three at a time versus up to two up to three at a time versus up to two at a time mm-hmm. so yes i would try to do something to streamline that that mm. just seems so could you say i'm attacking with these three now i'm attacking with these three because i brought nine with me yeah what you would do is i'm attacking with these three and you would roll and resolve and remove any casualties and then say now i am attacking with three again or yeah decide to that just cut it off. i mean I, I see why they did it but it just it, it, it winds up being a very iterative process you it's roll not and yeah check and roll i don't think check. it's an important enough enough thing that they did for it to remain because it sucks mm-hmm. it's it drags things out for too yeah, long i would be able to resolve that battle in a faster manner yeah yeah but I would never design a game like that in the first place, so that, that's why I'm only giving you these generics. What about you? Any grand, wonderful ideas? I, I tend to agree with a lot of what you're saying there, and that I would I would want to to smooth out that die rolling. Um, yeah, no, I think I've I think I've said more or less what I would what I would have to say about risk. I I chuckle. I like that you say you would want a tech tree more or less on it. Yeah. Because uh, isn't that one of the parts you find really frustrating about Eclipse is trying to remember how all the tech trees work and interact? With yeah, each other? I, I I like to think I, I probably am wrong, but I like to think I could do a better job making a tech tree. Mm. Remember, like there's there's nothing to tell you what is better than another thing in Eclipse other mm. than pulling out the stupid tile and looking at how many little dots are on it. Sure, like Eclipse's tech trees could be so much clearer if you just had a little card in front of you that, mm-hmm, that had to, well, and the other thing is it's not really a tech tree it's, it's a tech bag it's a few it's a well it's a bag yeah and then each thing in the bag might have yeah. an upgrade with a prerequisite but it's not like well i can't do ion drive because i don't have a power supl- source that can and, and i need to upgrade my power sources in such a way it's just like is that power source on the table is it available it's not a tech tree it's a tech market mm-hmm and so it's just a lot of stuff to memorize rather than being like Mark 1 reactor, Mark 2 reactor, Mark 3 reactor. Mm-hmm. I know I need the Mark 2 reactor before I can build the Mark 3 reactor. Better research the Mark 2 reactor. Mm-hmm. Like, it's less interesting, I guess, from a nomenclature standpoint, but it's not easy to remember all your weird nomenclature. 
and sure. it doesn't add anything to the game in my mind. So, I guess the thing it would add from my mind is allowing sudden technological leaps as opposed to progressive. So, like, if I was never able to buy a Mark II, but then my I was able to suddenly buy the Mark III, it kind of creates that moment where my empire was like, shoot, we had a breakthrough. And now our ships are better. Yeah, but there are already way- there are other ways to do that. Sure, th- th- that's what I'm saying. It adds that as a concept, adds, there might be another way to go about it that works better. But yeah. I'm saying it does add it, it adds something thematically in that way. Or you could argue that it add, it allows you to, and this might just be me, be pulling a, a, a Tycho Brahe and fitting in a narrative that fits a mechanic uh-huh. because it's what I it's how my brain is wired. It allows you to think, well, I never developed Type Two reactors, but Gary did. And my es- and through industrial espionage, I was then able to leapfrog or, or you know, reverse engineering destroyed ships or whatever. I was able to leapfrog up to the type three. Right. But a more interesting way to do that would be to include a simple mechanic for industrial espionage yes. or, or reverse engineering. Yep. Maybe take the reverse engineering track on mm-hmm. your research. Yeah. Or tree. be the race that has spies and is really good at yeah. spying. Yeah. Do you want so. to make a spying game? No, probably not. Not really. Okay. I don't, I don't know that I could do better than has been done. You sure. Know? Well, uh, this was a very game-heavy, not-so-much-humor-heavy yeah. segment. Are we already at 30 minutes? We're, uh, we are now over. We're over? Wow. Uh, so, do you think that was... Was that productive? Did Do you think that was a good segment? I think it was all right. It seemed interesting. Like Hopefully we still it. have people tuning in to listen for the board game parts of our board game podcast. <laughs> When I when we do just like a lot of funny skits, I'm always like, man, our board game podcast does not talk a lot about board games. But then when we talk about board games, I'm like, everyone I know tunes in because they're like, I don't even care about board games, but I think this podcast is funny. And I'm like, <laughs> who do we, what are we, do we we're have the worst. <laughs> you know, you just, it, it's like our mothers always told us, we just have to try really hard and we'll never find an audience. Yeah, pretty much. So we are going to try to bring the funny uh, in the next segment with bring the, the news, funny. but uh, let's uh, hear a word from our sponsors first. If you have uh, suggestions for funny things or board games or other whatever, if you want to hear us talk more, let us know on Twitter at Mildly Alarming. You could send us one of the electronic most mails at mildlyalarmingshow at gmail.com. You could leave a comment in the comment section on our website at www.mildlyalarming.com or on Facebook or a bunch of other places. Stitcher, iTunes. You done there? Yeah. Okay. Or you could don a skin-tight black cat suit, sneak into Microsoft HQ, uh, dig around in their server vaults, and uh, find the secret code that will allow you to use your copy of Windows to send a secret message to our copies of Windows and let us know that way. Uh, but be careful, because if Bill Gates, catch- Gates catches you, he'll... um. Well, he'll ship you off to a secret prison island, and you don't want to go there. It's just a floppy disk with with an old version of MSN Messenger on it. (laughs) What, the prison island? Yep. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Stay tuned after the Mildly Alarming podcast for an all-new episode of Tat Chat with Beardy Pete. This week, Beardy Pete gives us the rundown on the top 10 most profitable tattoo fads he's seen, and then the top 10 most gruesome injuries he's inflicted with common household items. Spoiler alert, don't let him borrow your three-hole punch. Plus, there's another round of parents losing their minds over their kids' tattoos. Don't miss it. Well, the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, the little boy blue and the man in the moon. And welcome back to the Mildly Alarming Podcast. I'm Tom Rich. You realize this is a podcast and they can't see the hat you're wearing? I know, but I was hoping you would react in a comical you're fashion. You're so proud of yourself. <laughs> it doesn't uh, It doesn't. It doesn't fit on over my headphones. Yeah, also, like when I... you lean way back in your chair and you're now four feet away from the microphone, it doesn't pick you up as well. I didn't. I didn't think the plan all the way through, or at all. I'm, I'm wearing kind of a goofy cowboy hat. It matches what, your shirt very nicely, though. I know, right? Thanks, thanks, buddy. I'm gonna wear it to work tomorrow. Yeah. No. No. That's. And I'm Johanna Stauffer. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good to have you with us. Oh, thanks. I guess you wouldn't have this problem. I was going to ask you if you did, but you wouldn't possibly have this problem because my last, my first name ends with an S, and my last name begins with an S. Mm-hmm. 
I find it very difficult to enunciate in a way that Ooh, is clear I see what you're that I... my name is Johannes Stauffer, yep. but doesn't leave a very awkward pause. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like I'm always lisping through Johannes Stauffer. Yep. I, I don't have that problem myself, but I know exactly what you're talking about from names in general. Is it Johanna Stauffer? Ex- is it Johannes Dauffer? I run into it a little bit if I have to give my full name, Thomas Ezra Rich. Mm-hmm. Like a, that, that middle part between Ezra and Rich is like Ezra Rich. You're just like, do you have marbles <laughs> in your mouth? What's juror. happening? <laughs> the rural juror. Yeah. And now the internet knows my middle name is Ezra. <gasps> <gasps> now they can find all of your things that use your middle name? What? How? Okay. I, don't know. I found out Gary's middle name the other day. <gasps> What is it? Gary Smoolahan. Gary. Gary. So his full name is Gerald Gary Smoolahan Smoolahan. Yeah. Gerald Gary Smoolahan Smoolahan. Is it all one word? Is it hyphenated? Is it? It's got an apostrophe, actually. Hmm. Like a like an orc or an Irish person would have. <laughs> I, I, what, why did you repeat yourself? <laughs> wow. That was hurtful. Only if there are any Irish people listening. There's at least one. Crap. Uh, I apologize to the... I guess I- they're Northern Irish, so they'd be like, he, he meant, he meant, he meant the, the Republic. He meant the Republic of... And they clearly are orcs, so... <laughs> Tolkien clearly based the orcs on them, not on us. Apparently, uh, this season of that show I don't like is recording uh, around Belfast. That show I Yeah, I know. That really narrows it down, yeah, doesn't it? Cause, Game of Thrones. Oh, I was going to say, because you don't feel human joy, so... Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's got, uh... It's got some... I don't know. It's got some violence going on there. Some sex. It's Some. It's a show. Yeah, I guess. Man, it was funny. Like, uh, my wife and I watched that show, and it was really entertaining watching over the course of the show how the, the showrunners responded to criticisms of their show because like the first couple of seasons it's just like all naked ladies as far as the eye can see Mm -hmm. and then they started getting criticized about that and so then all of a sudden it's just dude butt in your face constantly and you're like yep three two one butt booty three two one that guy's taking his pants off yeah but no uh none of Viggo Mortensen scraggly ass no Viggo Mortensen scraggly ass unfortunately what a shame what it is a shame uh, that the 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 scraggle ass uh, did do a fantastic job as a co-star in The Road. Yep, it made frequent appearances alongside Vigo and uh, Cody Smith McPhee. That that's a made-up name. It's the name of the kid person. from nope. The Road. I'm pretty sure. I'll I'll check on the internet. Did you see that video online? Uh, it's not porn. It's HBO. <laughs> I did not. It's all these girls. It keeps cutting back and forth. Uh, from from one girl to another, and they're telling their um their friends about this whatever they just got cast in this. I think there's probably a couple guys in there mm-hmm. too. Oh yeah, I just got this ca- cast in this part, and I'm and then like they're describing just foul graphic sex mm-hmm. acts, and then all their friends look horrified, and, and then they're like, "Oh, it's not porn, it's HBO," and then all their friends and family are <laughs> congratulating them. So uh, that's a that's a joke. I get it. You now. could find on the you could you could Google that. Yeah. So now it's time for booze in the news. Why do I bother? Because <laughs> you can fix it in post, right? Uh, but I never do. Plus, anything I have to fix in post, she's still way over there. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't leave me hanging now. Tom is waiting for a high five from his wife, who is on the other side of the room. And now she's coughing because she has the black lung. It's actually horse lung. The uh, the horse lung is when you breathe in too much horse hair because horses reproduce via their follicles. Uh, and so if you breathe in too much horse hair, they start to get tiny, tiny horses that grow in your lungs. And they, mm-hmm. they don't live long uh, because horses aren't adapted for the inside of the human lung. It's too moist. It's too moist. But their hooves, their tiny hooves do cause some damage and disruption in there. They also start to clog up all the little uh, airways with, um, you know, horse manure. Yeah, yeah, and dander. Dan- so much dander. A Actually, lot. more dander than manure. Yep, that, ma- that makes sense because they don't have much to eat, so they can't produce as much manure as a normal horse, which produces approximately twice its weight in manure daily. Yeah. Uh, science doesn't know how. 
They're just giant crap machines. Just They're just pooping their way across the countryside. 90% of uh, ancient uh, agriculture and forestry was conducted on the, in the wake of horse migrations because they produce so much feces. Wow. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, numbers. And history. And history. This is such an informative podcast. We are very, very smart. We, uh, uh, yes, we know facts. I have an honorary doctorate from Wayne Bagoon Technical <laughs> Institute. <laughs> is that, I, th- I thought you went to the Wayne Crossman Institute. Yeah, I went there, but I got an honorary doctorate oh, from Wayne Bagoon. From Wayne Bagoon. They're uh, competing schools, so there was some. Is, uh, now, I went, I, I visited Wayne Crossman briefly, but after. The, the, the school or the person? Uh, the school, but okay. the person was there, and he hit me in the, in the head with a bat. Yeah. Uh, so after that, I didn't go. So does Wayne Bagoon uh, endorse that kind of violence against the studentry? Not so much of the violence, but you have to wear um, a, a uniform, which is just head. T- it's just a it's just a fishnet bodysuit. <laughs> Do all of the students have to wear that? Oh yeah. No, no, just me. <laughs> It's in the charter. <laughs> and Johanna Stauffer, if he ever comes here. Which is why I I just went with the honorary doctorate. Right, right. That yeah. was smart. That was smart of you. I, I, I opted for the... <laughs> you, you, there's a box you have to check on one of the, one of the admission forms. <laughs> would you prefer that your degree be earned in the typical fashion, or would you just like an honorary doctorate? Are you willing to speak at commencement? Sold. Yep. So, uh, booze in the news. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, bum, bum, You're the bum. worst. <laughs> what do you got? Oh, wait, no, no I'm going you're first. starting. All right. Uh, so our first article for booze in the news comes from MLive.com. Now, for those not in the know, MLive.com. Live. 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 Uh, MLive.com is uh, Michigan's news website where they do Michigan news. Uh, and we are from Michigan, so it makes sense. Uh, but the headline from MLive is, uh, Sneaky Butt Toucher on the Loose, Police Say. It's Gabo. It's it's our friend Gabo, who was a guest on the show a while back. Let's and see. is this sneaky? No, he's a creepy butt toucher. He's a creepy butt toucher, yeah. He's probably also sneaky. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to creep, you probably got a sneak. Just touching them butts. Just putting your hands all up on their butt. Do you need to use both hands? What did the guy in the article do? Uh, police are Presumably searching... Presumably it's a guy. Yeah. Police are searching for a buttocks toucher who has accosted two buttocks. women near Lakefront Park in recent days. The man sneaks up behind women, touches their rear ends, and runs away. Police identified a potential suspect who was interviewed Thursday, October 29, and then released. So look out if you're in the Cadillac area. Yeah, don't... Don't... Don't, um... Uh... So one might touch your buttocks a little bit yeah, and then and run like, away. There's so many explanations for this. Like, he might be a disgusting perv working his way up to more horrific crimes. He might be a deeply mentally ill man who's just like, this is his weird compulsion. Like, he's just, he's like, I wish I could stop. He might be some dip teenager who's been dared by his friends to grab butts. Go there's no way butt. of knowing. And they're all sitting in the bushes giggling as he runs up and touches a butt and runs away again. It doesn't go into any detail at all, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying I want the gory details, but it doesn't even say how the, the other than that they were touched, how they were touched. Mm-hmm. You know, was it a little bit of a grab and lift, just like a, a light slap? Is it like? It, is it just like the the tip of one finger right, and yeah, the it, center of the was cheek? Was it just brushed? Was is this just two overly sensitive women and another jogger went past and like ha- happened to brush them as he? Went I, by. I don't know. It's hard in the buttular region. It, it's hard to touch the butt accidentally, like while jogging past someone. Like maybe these women that would be ba- just bear with me, bearing with you. Have, <laughs> have gigantic wide uh, rear ends, behinds that kind of stick out. You know? I guess, but even then, like if you brush somebody while jogging past them, you're gonna brush the hip, not the butt. I don't know. Maybe they have weird four-dimensional butts that wrap entirely around them. Wow, that's a weird butt. <laughs> Through time and space. Time and space. Which is somehow different from other butts that's, that don't, that don't move exist. through time that and space. Only, that move through one or the or other. Or the other, never both at the same time. You have a stationary butt that ages, 
or a mobile butt that remains the same as it was when you were born? Well, it's because of the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. You can either know where the butt is or or how fast it's moving. Sure. But it, you, is that what that is? It's something like that. I always thought the Heisenberg uncertainty principle was that the more uncertain I am about something, the greater the the clarity and verve with which I'll claim to know stuff about it, and vice versa. The more certain I am about it, the less energetically and vigorously I'll be able to defend the position. I, I don't know. That was a great joke. Why aren't you laughing? It was I. It, I lost track of it. Okay. Do you want to talk about one of your articles? I was thinking about dogs. Oh, what do you? Okay. Like, some dogs are pretty okay, and mm-hmm. other dogs I don't like so much. It depends a lot on the dog. Yeah. Like you gotta make a dog that's been that's been socialized well to be around humans and behave itself, and like is of a breed that doesn't have a yappy little bark. Like that's an okay dog. But, like, if it's a dog that's trained to just bite down on your crotch and not release ever. It's not my favorite That's kind not of dog. a very good dog. You don't want that dog. But the thing is, once once you have that dog, <laughs> you're, you're stuck. stuck with it. Yeah. Because, like, have you ever tried to pull one of those dogs off? Like, their jaws lock. That just, yeah. It's You can't open that. You're just stuck. You just, now you've got a dog dangling off your dangle. Yep. Or the girl dangle. Whichever. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, I'm going to spend so much time waffling back and forth over whether or not I have to bleep that. <laughs> Glad to help, buddy. <sighs> yeah, thanks for that. Well, here's one from the Washington Post. Opening of Aldi Calf Coffee Shop in Manhattan met, met with horror. Outrage. Much ado is being made about a seemingly harmless shop that, for just one week, dares to sell decaf only. There's a a shop in New York that's opening, it's like a pop-up sort of marketing gag store, Mm -hmm. and they're selling decaf only coffee for a week, and then because they're in what appears to be an abandoned gas station, uh, are closing (laughs) at the end of that week, which is this week, I think. Okay. And people are real mad about it. I don't understand why you would do that or why you would get mad about it so everyone on both sides of this argument as i'm reading through this article is wrong Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's the swiss water decaffeinated coffee company um they've launched a a, quote pop-up studio this weekend with the ambitious mandate of giving away samples of coffee deprived of its most precious element which they call a sensory experience uh and the art of coffee without caffeine and the article goes on and quotes a bunch of other, like, social media types who are all up in arms about how either take the chemicals out of our coffee that and let us drink pure, wholesome nature stuff, which everything is a chemical. So, Isn't caffeine natu- naturally occurring? Yep, it occurs in coffee. coffee. Like, isn't that how they discovered coffee? <laughs> yes, and then the other side is people who were like, "Why did well if you take all the caffeine out of coffee? Why even drink coffee?" So everyone in this entire argument mm-hmm. is a moron because, first of all, coffee is delicious. I do like coffee, and if you're drinking it just for the caffeine, you could get your caffeine somewhere else too. That's fine. Do that. Mm-hmm. On the other side of that coin, decaf coffee is disgusting. Not because it doesn't have caffeine in it, mm-hmm. but because the processes by which they remove the caffeine pretty much ruin the coffee. Mm-hmm. And so the Swiss Water Company is doing this because they're the ones that pioneered the cleanest method. You, there's a, there, I think there's three main methods for removing caffeine sure. from coffee. And two of them, I believe, use chemi- a chemical bath to soak mm-hmm. the caffeine out. Um, and the Swiss Water Method, which I think is just called the Swiss Method. Um, just uses water you just soak it in water and they soak all the caffeine out and then and a bunch of other stuff and then that ex- they extract the caffeine from the water mm-hmm. and then somehow try to soak whatever was left kind of coffee. back in yeah. and it, uh, it so it makes a better decaf coffee so it's like 
you could have dirt mm-hmm. with chemicals in it or you could have natural dirt <laughs> either way you're still eating dirt yeah see i drink I, I like coffee myself and like i drink it in the morning because i want some caffeine to wake up with like that's nice i find that pleasant i like the taste well enough i don't understand the appeal of decaf like i'm like for me caffeine the the caffeine like i'm not drinking it explicitly for a caffeine rush I'm drinking it because I like coffee, but the caffeine rush is part of what I like about coffee. It's yeah. wrapped up in the coffee experience. It would it, it to me it's a lot like I don't know, maybe this will maybe this will 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 wrong foot me with some listeners. It's like diet soda. It's like no, the the sugar is what I like about soda. <laughs> don't take that out of if I'm not if I'm not do, not going to get the sugar, I'll just have a glass of water. Hmm. Maybe that's maybe that's not a fair comparison, but I think to each his own. Sure. Like, well, well, oh, see, oh, I, right. I, I no, would absolutely. love. I would love a good, a good decaf coffee. If mm-hmm. de- if someone found a way to decaffeinate coffee that didn't ruin the coffee, mm-hmm. and so now now you have the exact same roast of the exact same beans. One one has been decaffeinated and the other hasn't. And I drink a cup of each, and I cannot taste any difference. Mm-hmm. I'll drink decaf all day. I don't care. I mm-hmm. don't care that it's, it's just just like beer. If you could make. A beer, and then so, someone made a comp, uh, some snarky comment here. Oh, I think their next concept is an alcohol-free wine bar. I'm, f- I would be absolutely fine with an alcohol-free wine bar if, if it, the wine tasted exactly the same as the sure. alcoholic wine. Sure, I'm drinking it because I like how it tastes. Sure, and that's that's fair, I guess. So anyway, the company it, makes I the guess, point that they're not trying to get anyone to stop drinking caffeine. They're just saying, hey, look at this way that we came up with. Okay, to, to I guess I guess if, if you're into it for the coffee. For the coffee taste and don't care about caffeine and their way works, more power to you. Yeah, I guess. I guess why? I, yeah, I, I guess it's not something I would get worked up about, I suppose. Yep. I had to do this one because uh, it's actually not all that funny, a headline, but mm-hmm. I know a lot of coffee snobs and I'm mm-hmm. more than a little snobbish yeah. when it comes to my coffee, so I figured yeah, I guess, it needed I guess to be you, addressed. I guess, I guess if, if you're a snob about anything, you should probably be kicked in the ge- your genital of choice. like just The to, butt. Just enjoy your thing. Just enjoy doing your thing. Let other people enjoy doing their thing. Just yeah. Just be cool about it, man. Be cool about it. Come on, man. Come man. on. Yeah. 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 We ready for the next article? Yes. Uh, this one comes from time.com. Uh, and it that's is a website t- where you just go to find out what time it is? Yeah. Uh, and it is entitled uh, 815. Remember when you used to be able to call time? Like you could pick up a phone and it was like, Hello, this is the office of Time Magazine. Yeah. How may I direct your call? Yeah, I used to do that all the time. Around here, it was 665-1212. I'll never forget that number, and I don't know why. <laughs> It'd be like, at the tone, the time is 7, 13, and 20 I don't seconds. know that I ever called that. Beep. I wonder if it still exists. It doesn't. I uh, I set my voicemail greeting to the, this number has been disconnected message from mm-hmm. that phone number for like a year awesome and it really confused people they would hang up on my voicemail which is great i should do it again because i hate voicemails more than anything else in the world some people will have been have actually been setting their voicemail inbox reading to you can leave them out stuff like you can leave a message after the beep but i will never get it because i don't check my voicemail set please send me an email instead that's not a bad idea like people will do that and then they just stop checking their voicemail i've thought about doing it at work i don't i don't so I hate voicemails mm-hmm. because I hate phone calls. Yeah. And so I hate voicemails, but I hate more someone who calls me and doesn't leave, especially if they leave a blank voicemail, if they wait long enough for sure. it to leave That's me an worst. empty message. Yeah. But but also then don't text me or call me. And I'm like, well, what did you want? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Email, email or text or something like that is much better just because it, it functions better as a to-do list of things I have to get back to. The voicemail is such a weird outside of my loop of things I'm doing process. Well, the, the voicemail came out of answering machines. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'll check it when I get home or I'll check my voicemail when I get to my desk. Yeah, yeah. But now we have these phones that are on us all the time. And so you, someone can leave a voicemail for you. I don't know. It just seems it's bad. It's just different than it was. Some, it sucks, apparently some companies have had good luck eliminating their voicemail service altogether. 
like they just don't have voicemail boxes yeah. for, for not all employees, but certain classes of employees that don't use it much. They've saved millions of dollars doing this. They probably could have saved millions of dollars by doing something that doesn't require you to pay for your voicemail. Who pays for voicemail? Apparently it's a service you have to pay for to have those mailboxes and all that. You're doing something wrong. Anyway, what, what oh, were we actually talking about? We were time. Time. Uh, and the article is... <laughs> the article is entitled, Canada, it's the nation of, has Canada. a has a burger stuffed with Reese's peanut butter cups. Just one burger. Yeah, like the nation of Canada, you, like you go to Ottawa and to the, the halls of government Canadian, uh, and you find sitting on a pedestal the one burger crammed full of Reese's peanut butter cups. It's like Iran has weapons of mass destruction and... <laughs> Canada. Canada has a, a hamburger filled with Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the subtitle is "Yes, it's real." Uh, uh, it is a restaurant called The Works, which is in Ontario. Ontario. The burger is a restaurant. No, 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 no. There's a restaurant called The oh. Works, which is in Ontario and has the burger. Um, and let's see here. It is. It is stuffed with Reese's peanut butter cups uh, right inside our juicy beef patty and topped with crispy crispy onion rings, two strips of smoked bacon, and even more Reese's peanut butter cups. You'll get all of that goodness for just $15.98 Canadian. That doesn't sound... It sounds disgusting! I wouldn't say that it sounds disgusting. It doesn't sound good. Like, if I were to try a bite of it, I'd probably be like, okay, I see what you were doing. I would mm. never pay money for this, and I certainly don't want to eat a whole one, but I have now had that but experience. would you drive to Ontario to get one? No. Is there anything you would drive to Ontario for? Not a lot. What if your wife like free money, maybe. was kidnapped by lumberjacks and held hostage in Ontario, and you had to go rescue her? Ontario seems like an odd choice for lumberjacks. In the northern part. It's a pretty big province. Um, yeah, I guess it goes up there. Yeah. I'd think about it. Hear that? Hear that, Johannes' wife? She doesn't listen anymore. She doesn't love me. That's true on both counts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, that's that. Uh, what do you got? Uh, I've forgotten how to read. No. Oh. So, I guess we're done. No. Uh, Ikea Christmas goat self-destructs and is reduced to ashes in a matter of seconds. I have <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, I'm just curious where this happened. You know? Because there's an Ikea not far from here. It, it, it's from Icelandmag.something.is, so I assume Iceland. Mm -hmm. But uh, I love, I adore the phrase, Ikea Christmas Goat. <laughs> that is a pretty good, that's I, a band name. Yeah, Absolutely. It's, it's so many things. We are Ikea Christmas Goat. You could throw up the horns. Bah! The goat horns. The goat horns, yeah. The Ikea Christmas goat, a giant version of the traditional Swedish Yule goat, burnt down this morning. Although the goat is known for being a recurring target for arsonists, this time the fire was started by faulty Christmas lights used to decorate the goat. A bunch of letters that aren't from the alphabet that I know how to read, who is Ikea's managing director, <laughs> says the goat was... <laughs> Like, like sometimes they anglicize a Swedish name, and I'm like, I guess I could give it a go. But this is just like N and R are pretty much the only... Oh, there's some S's. There are not a lot of letters there I even recognize. It's Ikea's managing director who says the goat was reduced to ashes in a matter of seconds. We're rather upset about the whole incident. I wish I could do a Swedish accent that wasn't just the Swedish chef. Mm -hmm. A new goat is set to be erected outside the <laughs> Swedish furniture company store in the... I've, oh, see this! I should know how to say. Right, mm -hmm. Reykjavik. Re, what? How do you actually Re say that? Reykjavik. I Reykjavik. Think. I think that's what it is. Suburb of more letters I've never seen over the next couple of days. <laughs> so yeah, it looks like it's in uh, in, in uh, that place. Amazing. Yeah, IKEA Christmas goat self destructs. So my favorite part is that this was like a newsworthy mm -hmm. item, despite that. The goat is known for being a recurring target for arsonists. So the noteworthy thing here is not that it burned down, but that it self-destructed. It burnt itself down. Incredible. I think maybe it's a sign from your weird Icelandic goat god. 
<laughs> that you, maybe it doesn't want to be an Ikea Christmas goat. Weird Icelandic Goat God is a metal album. Yes. From uh, from Ikea Christmas Goat. Absolutely. What do you have? Well, let's go back to Canada now that we've been to Iceland. Okay. Uh, this is from CBC.ca, which is uh, some sort of Canadian news. Oh, CBC News. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and it's titled, Ontario Hospital Sends Man with Memory Loss to Unconfirmed Address in Cab. Now, this actually isn't that funny of a story because the guy was in a horrible accident and couldn't didn't have any idea. Like, he had... Par- you know what would make it funny? Hmm. If he were an... <laughs> <laughs> That's true, but we have nothing to prove that with. Uh, you know, so the guy's in a horrible accident. He has his... He, all he's got on him is, like part of his driver's license or something. Um, and he can't remember where he lives. And he's like giving them these half remembered phone numbers, which might just be from infomercials for all anybody knows. And they're trying, he's trying them. And finally they, they find an address that he remembers. He's like, maybe that's an address that sticks in my mind, but I don't know. It might just be like a Thai restaurant. I go to or which order from be a bad place to be dropped off. No, but well, no, but not if you're in, like, medical distress. Well, he's probably not in medical distress if they're sending him home from well, the hospital. But according hospital. to the article, when they did send him home, he was still in a lot of pain. Like, he was still in a rough shape here. Because he dr- drown your pain in Thai food. That's probably true. But anyway, he's like, could you, like, send somebody there to check if anybody's home before you take me there? And they're like, no. No, we can't do that. We can't do that. So they stick him in a cab, and they just drive him there. And luckily, his cousin and uncle, there was their place, and they were home when he got there. And so they're like, oh, yes, come on in, nephew. We're glad you're alive. We haven't heard from you in a while after your horrible accident. Please come in. Which we knew about. I don't know. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Yeah, but like, I kind of wonder, there's so much about this story that I wonder about. Like, the clear failure of the medical system in that situation. It's like, you can't just stick that guy in a cab and tell him good luck. Right? Am I wrong? Yeah, it's probably because they have socialized medicine. It's Take pro- that, Obama. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I wonder about the cabbie, too. Like, the article doesn't address it, but, like, what did he do? Like, this guy gets in his car, like, writhing in agony. As the nurse is like, he's fine. Don't worry about it. It's good. We gave it's him a prescription. Good. I doubt they were sending someone home writhing. Okay, yeah, but still. I really hope they weren't. But, but you take my point, like, right? Like, this guy can't have been looking good, even if they gave him enough pain meds to keep him functional. Like, the guy gets in, he's got to be confused because he can't remember where he lives. The cabbie you know? was probably like, is he going to pay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, I wonder about that cabbie. Like, and then he drives him to the place. If the answer was yes, then he was like, okay, whatever, I'll drive you to Winnipeg. Is that how cabbies work? I don't, I don't have a lot of contact with cabbies. Listen, if you're going to be a cabbie, you have to be able to deal with whatever garbage gets in the back of your car, because that's how you make a living. Fair enough. So you're, you're, you're saying, I wonder if you could have gotten like an Uber driver. I don't know. I don't know. I had a student once who was who worked part-time as an Uber driver. Yeah? Yeah. He told me all about it. Drove uh, drunks around downtown A2. Uh, that sounds Ann like Arbor, pretty that much what, yeah, an Uber driver, dri- driver, an Uber driver. Yeah. But anyway, it's it seems like there was a problem here with, with certain phases of the discharge excuse me discharge process at the hospital like i feel like i feel like additional steps should have been taken i don't know exactly what those steps were well canada get your act together canada, what part of canada what's that what part of canada this was ontario uh they wait, should know but wait know hold on ontario <laughs> hospital sends man with oh okay no i'm misreading it it's an ontario hospital but the guy was from alberta Okay. Which are far apart. Yeah, they're not. That must have been an expensive cab ride. <laughs> uh, but no, where he goes to his uncle and cousin, not oh, home, right. home. So, Gotcha. Well, I don't have any more articles. I'm, I'm out of articles, too. And we're done shouting at Canada? Yeah, Canada screwed Canada! up this week. That was like sort of halfway... Superintendent Chalmers from The Simpsons and a half like uh, Dragon Ball Z character <laughs> shouting Canada for some reason because it's his it, he's gonna spend the next thirteen episodes generating a Canada to attack somebody with. I don't know or care. I've never understood that show or why anyone ever chose to watch it. They got the muscles. I guess that's a reason. Sure, I don't know. They got the hair going on too. Well, if you would like to see pictures of our muscles and hair. <laughs> 
let us know on Twitter. <laughs> at mildly alarming. Oh, you can send us an email on mildly alarming, mildly alarming show at gmail.com. That's, hold on, let me try. Don't send us an email at mildly alarming, mildly alarming show at gmail.com. Send it to mildly alarming show at gmail.com. There's just one mildly alarming in the in the email address. You could leave a comment in the comment section at mildlyalarming.com. We are also on iTunes where you could leave us a review and we would really appreciate it. Uh, we're also on Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. And uh, it's not out yet, but the Google Play Store is going to be... Or Google Play Music. Google Play something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Google and then some words. is going to have podcasts soon and we're signed <laughs> up for that. So you could find us there. Uh, shortly as well. Or you could just go to Canada. (laughs) I guess that was a question. So uh, we'll see you next week in Canada on the Mildly Alarming Podcast. Eh? Toodles. Stay tuned after the Mildly Alarming Podcast for an all-new episode of Scat Chat with Beardy Pete. This week, Beardy Pete gives us the rundown of the top ten most fluid scats from history, and then the top ten most amazing aftermaths of a really good scat that he's personally witnessed. Then it's time for our monthly scat-off, where Pete and a surprise guest will scat at one another right here in the studio. It's the best podcast about improvisation and vocal jazz using nonsense syllables or no words at all. Don't miss it! <laughs>